Good morning and happy Friday. I hope everyone had a blessed Thanksgiving. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today's date is November 25th, Thursday, November, Friday, November 25th. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the forward to the first edition. We are on Roman numeral XIII, which is Roman numeral 13. Today's readers are Janice M., Esther C., Sarah W., Chris G., and Hoodie. I forgot her last initial. Sorry about that. Reference number for yesterday, November 24th, is 9291. That is 9291. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Chris G. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Chris. Thank you. This is Chris G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut, and thank you for your service, and thank you for allowing me to do service. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or ourselves. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. 
Great. Thank you, Chris G. I will now ask for Hoodie R to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Hoodie. Thank you so much, Amy. My name is Hoodie R. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the possible reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprises. Yet, less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain for every non-professional, but our service centers employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create Service boards or committees directly for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need OA to maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all our traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Great. Thank you, Hoodie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, please, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book in the forward to the first edition, which is Roman numeral 13. We're going to start on the beginning of that paragraph and read through those four paragraphs ending with um, We Shall Be Greatly Handicapped, with the focus on those last three paragraphs. I will now ask Janice M. to please begin reading. Go ahead, Janice, and thank you. Well, good thank you, and good morning to you, Amy G., and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. 
For them, we hope these pages will prove so convincing that no further authentication will be necessary. We think this account of our experiences will help everyone to better understand the alcoholic. Many do not comprehend that the alcoholic is a very sick person. And besides, we are sure that our way of living has its advantages for all. Now, it is important that we remain anonymous because we are too few at present to handle the overwhelming number of personal appeals which may result from this publication. Being mostly business or professional folk, we could not well carry on our occupations in such an event. We would like it understood that our alcoholic work is an avocation. When writing or speaking publicly about alcoholism, we urge each of our fellowship to omit his personal name, designating himself instead as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Very earnestly, we ask the press also to observe this request, for otherwise we shall be greatly handicapped. Okay, commenting on the uh, first, uh, the second, third, and fourth paragraph, they talk about anonymity here. Now, what is anonymity? Well, you know, this book was written only four years after they were recovered. So, you know, it was overwhelming with the publication of this book. So they had so many people, you know, calling them in appeals, like it says. So what they had to do, um, they had, you know, so many requests, and they were still, they were working. Now, in 1939, you know, to, to have a job after being uh, a drunk, you know, was pretty good, so they couldn't interfere with their work. So what they did is they would, they, they wanted us to understand, in like we, are, we, like we do today, that this is a choice. This is an advocation. Once we're recovered, we carry the message to others. We love doing it. What's an avocation? It's not my, well, today for me, because I'm retired, I can, I can um, put a lot of time in the program and help other people. But if you're working, you have to work too. But, you know, this is in my life. And even if you're working, this has to come first. So it's a hobby. You know how a hobby is. You love the hobby. You love to do it. And, of course, as, you know, when we're recovered, it is a hobby. It's a, hobby. It's a joy to carry this message. However, they say, so this is the reason why they're asking, please, when speaking or writing in public, that means public. Public is um, the press, the paper, TV, radio, to be, you know, um, un unidentified, remain, uh, you know, anonymous, um, you know, to the public. But it doesn't mean to be anonymous in our group. You know, I don't know where that came. Oh, you don't say your last name, you know. You know, it's up to the person. If they want to remain anonymous, it's up to them. But, you know, in the rooms, we don't have to remain anonymous, you know. One of our members here is in the hospital. I mean, if I didn't know her last name, I couldn't send her a card. Um, so that's your choice. And, of course, you know, you can't be out of the room and say, oh, you know what Janice said. Janice from OA said, you know, I mean, look at, first of all, I didn't give myself recovered, and, and it's not my success anyway. 
Um, so I can't be, you know, can't talk about me. I'll gossip about somebody. Or if you're outside, if you're outside, you say, oh, yeah, there's so-and-so. She goes to OA, you know. That's remaining anonymous, outside. So that's why they say, um, really, when earnestly, earnestly means please, please, seriously, we ask the press and uh, to observe this request of not printing names. And, of course, this comes from our tradition 11 and tradition 12. You know, anonymity is the foundation. It's spiritual principles, not personalities. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Okay, we're now going to open up for three-minute shares, focusing on the last three paragraphs. Carol Larry. Kim G. Sarah W. Kim G. Larry. I got Sarah Kim. Carol G? Yeah. Okay. So I've got Sarah W, Kim G, Larry K, Carol G. Anybody else? Okay. So, Sarah, you are up. Good good morning, Amy. Thank you for your service. I'm sorry I interrupted you. I was excited. I oh, apologize. No problem. Okay. Um, my name is Sarah W. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, you know, to me, what we're talking about as far as anonymity is really the idea that there are no rock stars, too, that we're all on an equal basis, that, you know, the alcoholic is very much about um, ego and, and um, you know, how we look and, and if we're popular and if we're important. And really that has to stay out of it, that we're all on the same playing field eye to eye. I think that's extremely important. Um, when I, you know, there are people that are speakers that, that are circuit speakers and that sort of thing, and they are still a member of Overeaters Anonymous. And I was thinking about Bill Wilson. You know, he had so much problems because he couldn't come in just as a member. He really wanted to, but people placed him on such a level of grandiosity that, you know, it's hard for anybody to yield power like that. Um, and God bless him, you know, you know, he was able to really pass a beautiful message. But, you know, if we're not on the same level, there is a real difficulty in remaining humble, I think. Uh, so I think it's extremely important. And I, and I love the word avocation, the idea that... Um, you know, I do this because of what was given so freely to me. Um, somebody the other day called me and said, oh, my gosh, I'd love when you hear blah, blah, blah. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm glad God speaks through me to you because, you know, it, you know, everything really comes out of the book except, except for my own experiences. And that's really all I can share from, my experiences and what I've learned uh, from working the steps and from the book and from Overeaters Anonymous, and I'm so grateful for that. And I was thinking also about, you know, the Internet is such a huge hot issue uh, with the fellowships at this point because so many people put stuff on there about um, about their, uh, you know, their being a member of, of the program. And it really... You know, to put something about the program is one thing, but to put that we are a member, because we can fall from grace. You know, people can get drunk, people can lose their abstinence, and then what is the program going to look like? So I think it's a really important piece of it, 
And, you know, I'm so grateful to just be a, I'm an average, you know, I don't like to say bozo on the bus, but I'm an average compulsive overeater. I'm grateful for my recovery today. I really, really hold it dear to me. And I'm so grateful for all those people that have helped me along the way. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. Kim G., you are up. Good morning. Good morning, all my, oops, my timer. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive over here from South Jersey. And I want to drill down that word anonymity too. And what I, you know, what I find helpful is in the back of the big book on page 563, I think it starts, is is the long form of these traditions. So I just want to read what the long form is of of tradition 11. It says our relations with the general public should be characterized by personal anonymity. We think OA ought to avoid sensational advertising. Our names and pictures of OA members ought to not be broadcast, filmed, or publicly printed. Our public relations should be guided by the principles of attraction rather than promotion. There is never need to practice to praise ourselves. We feel it better to let our friends recommend us. So they're really talking about anonymity in the sense of, of, of to the outside public. And unfortunately, I think all 12-step programs have worked that to be about people in the rooms. And as Janice said, they're not talking about people in the rooms. You know, I, I love to look at the history, so I talk to AA members a lot. And one of, said, one of the reasons that anonymity became warped about people in the rooms was as the, the um, rehabs in the 60s and the 70s, 80s started to grow, what happened is AA started to have these things called open discussion meetings, which was brought from the rehabs. And basically, it became junior therapy. And often, the sharing was not about experience, strength, and hope. It was more like someone was giving a fifth step inside the rooms. And God knows I've experienced that in OA. So people started to use anonymity because they were, they were giving a fifth step in the room, and they didn't want anybody to say anything outside the room. You know, I remember talking with some people about, you know, why can't we put on a flyer if we're having a, a weekend who is speaking? You know, was, and then they, at first they said it was anonymity, and then someone said to me, well, who knows if that person is going to be absent or not. We might have to replace them, so why put them on a flyer? I mean, that's a sad state that we don't even know if someone's going to be absent long enough in order to speak at a retreat. So I remember listening to an um, AA speaker, uh, and I'm not sure when it was, but he was talking about what exactly I'm talking about right now, and he said, I have an, a perfect example. He said, one of our sister fellowships, Overeers Anonymous, has so warped anonymity that it has become a secret society and that fellowship is dying. And I believe that. You know, for, for, you know if, if we're supposed to be a program of attraction, how is anyone ever going to know about us if we're not telling our, fel- our friends and our coworkers that we're in a program called Overeers Anonymous and we are recovered? You know, how is Mary in a meeting going to get help if she mentions she's in relapse and we're not allowed to tell anyone that she needs help? If I can't even say who's in a meeting, how is anyone going to know who needs help? So I think maybe if we could all sit and think about, let's not warp anonymity that we hurt our fellowship. Let's make sure that we practice anonymity outside the rooms. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Larry Kay, please go ahead. Thanks so much. Uh, Larry K. Recovered, Compulsive Overeater from Chicago. Thanks for your service. Um, yeah, I like everything that was said, I agree with. You know, it's important. It says it's important we remain anonymous because. The word because is a conjunction. Remember, conjunction, junction, what's your function? It means 
Owing, no laughing. It means owing to the fact that. Owing to the fact that. This is a vitally important word in this particular paragraph. And I'll tell you why. Because it's stressing why Bill and our early pioneers are advocating for anonymity. You know, and that's important. They're saying emphatically because we are too few in number at present to handle the overwhelming number of personal appeals. When was that? Well, around, you know, as we've heard already, around 1939, they were just starting out as a fellowship. Think about this. If Vision for You had the only recovered compulsive overeaters in the world, say there was, uh, you know, 100 or 200 or 300 of us, and the entire country was clamoring for this solution, they're knocking at our doors noon and night, 24-7 for this gift, you know, and um, now, you know, for those who tell you we remain anonymous as individual members of OA because we seek to protect the identity of individuals so that they do not have to fear the shame of association, so that they feel safe in their misery in the rooms uh, to protect their identities as a psychiatrist would you know, protect the identity of his patients. That's wrong. Not a little wrong, not kind of wrong, but dead wrong. And this isn't my opinion. Addicts love to share their opinions. I'd be happy to share with you some of my opinions out in the, you know, in the parking lot after this meeting. But here's the thing about opinions in OA. They're the opinions of people who are expert at compulsively overeating. They're addicts. We have opinions, often very nice people with wonderful intentions, you know, but I'd much prefer to carry the message of recovery found in our basic text. And you know why? Because that's going to get you well. My opinions, my opinions almost got me killed. I'm quite sure they're, they're probably going to get you killed. So let's stick to the facts in the book. You know, I'm not anonymous to my fellow members in OA. You know, that would be a heck of a thing if someone wanted to reach out to my stretched hand as a recovered compulsive overeater, but they couldn't find me because, you know, I'm a member of, you know, Where's Waldo, you know? And I like when, when Leah talks about the idea that this is one big show-and-tell operation. You know, frankly, I used to get excited in kindergarten when, when it was show-and-tell day, you know? It's like, let me show you what God did for me. Let me tell you the specific way I was able to clear the pathway to my creator. It's called the steps. I took a step towards God through these steps, and God came sprinting towards me, almost knocked me over with his grace. And God's love intervened, and I'm grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Carol G., please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Vision for you. It's Carol G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I didn't get past the beginning of the paragraph, actually, Um I've worked the steps and and now they're working in me and and I have a purpose today and I saw that word purpose. I have an avocation. Sometimes it feels like a vocation, which is simply a calling and I think that's some part of what's happening here for me. Um, I have a connection now with something greater than than me that directs me and um, I didn't get past the first paragraph today because my magnifying mind just couldn't leave that word purpose. Um, I was thinking about this chip of a book in my hands today, you know, divinely inspired purpose. I mean, look at what they're saying here. Let us show you. Let us show you in these pages precisely. Everything's covered. You don't have to add anything to it, Carol. How? And how they're going to show me with this method that's in this book. 
And who are the we that are going to show me? The first 100, and that now includes you and I. And the thing that leapt out of me from the front of the page was, it doesn't say we suggest you now find a power greater than yourself that's going to keep you safe. Because that would be fabulous, but I'd done that before thousands of times. What it says is we're going to give you some precise directions because I needed rewiring first. The connection to my higher power, the infinite source of everything in my life, couldn't come to me and connect with me until I had my hands on this chip of a book. So it's God plus directions for me. I've got so many experiences that actually agree with that. And being an anonymous in my fellowship and being one amongst many is the best thing that's ever happened to me because in many things in my life I was a big fish in a small pool. But it's wonderful to be a small fish in a large pool. Thanks, Vision for you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Carol G. I'm going to open it up to take some more shares on the second, third, and fourth paragraph on forward to the first edition. Who would like to share? Is there anyone that would like to share? Okay, well, we can move on to the next paragraph if there is no one else that would like to share. All righty then. Esther C., you are up. Could you please read? Hi, good morning. Thanks, Amy. My name is Esther C., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Canada. We are not an organization in the conventional sense of the word. There are no fees or dues whatsoever. The only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. We are not allied with any particular faith, sect, or denomination, nor do we oppose anyone. We simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted. So this paragraph, especially the last line, where it reminds us why we're here altogether, reminds me of the fifth tradition, which teaches us that our primary purpose is to carry the message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. So if I want to be as helpful as possible, if that's my goal, um, I want to be available to anybody who feels that they're one of us without requiring anything from them. You could be in a way, even if you're binging day and night, you're still a member. If you say you are and that you want to stop eating compulsively, then you're welcome here. And also I find that typically organizations you have an agenda, right, to promote themselves. Sometimes they're there to raise money as well. They've got lots of committees and boards, and, and, they, all, and they often have to adopt positions on different, on different issues um, that are related to them and so on. But in the 12-step rooms, we're refreshingly different. We limit ourselves organizationally in terms of structure. We keep things basic. Whatever we need to have, we have, but we don't over-structure um, ourselves, and we except everybody, and we don't have an opinion on anything. And that makes it much more, uh, makes us much more useful in carrying the message. Because if, if it were different, then we wouldn't be able to be helpful to a maximum number of people anymore. You know, the 12-step rooms were saving lives. We can't limit ourselves by being overly structured or by, you know, adopting related causes. Certainly, ob- obesity is rampant. Um, 
in North America, probably in the whole world today, and there's a lot of science and psychology and all kinds of ideas and opinion about food, but it's important that I, as someone who's carrying the message one-on-one and and OA who carries a message as a group, stay very far away from all that. That can't be part of of OA's message, and and my personal opinions on things like that cannot be part of the message that I carry one-on-one. The same would be true for spirituality. I mean, a group could have 90% of its members, um, you know, a home group could have 90% of its members who practice uh, religion or spirituality in a particular way, but there's no excuse for bringing in those ideas into the room or promoting a specific path, again, because we want to be as helpful as possible. And this definitely includes me when I carry the message on an individual basis. It's not my place to bring in any opinions that I have about other things, um, just to give that undiluted message. Of course, if I have something to say about something, I could say this is my own opinion. This has nothing to do with 12-step work, but that would probably be a rare rare thing to do. Um, so I'm very grateful, thank God, for the experience of the early members. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Esther C. So we will open up again for more shares. Who would like to share on what was read? Lynette R. Kathy C. Lynette. Nessa R. Nessa, I got you. Kathy C. Lynn S. Who else? Roxanne B. Eileen. Roxanne B. I heard Eileen. Eileen who? Yes. C. Eileen M. Oh, Irene M. Okay. Carly. Carly. Carlisa C. Oh, Lisa C. Lisa C. Okay, we'll go with that. Nessa R, Kathy C, Lynn S, Roxanne B, Irene M, and Lisa C. Okay, Nessa R, you are up. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. Uh, This is Nessa R, a recovered compulsive overeater, also in Toronto, Canada. And I like this qualifier. The only desire, the only requirement for membership is the honest desire to stop eating compulsively, honest desire, not just a desire, but an honest desire. And to me, you know, that speaks, that speaks volumes um, because for so many years I had a desire, but it wasn't an honest desire. You know, and I, I shared here on the line uh, a while back that when my kids were little in nursery school, there was this one mother who was just gorgeous, you know, like beautiful figure, beautiful face, beautiful personality, everything about her was gorgeous. And one day I asked her, so what do you do? Um, You know, meaning like to stay in this shape. And, you know, I was expecting to hear the same trite um, answer. Well, I just have a fat metabolism. I really eat like a pig. You know, it just doesn't stick to me. But that's not what she said. You know, she said, I work very hard for this body. And you know what I did? Nothing. I didn't ask any more questions because I wasn't prepared to work hard for anybody. You know, I wanted a magic answer. I wanted a magic pill that would enable me to eat all the cheesecake I wanted and still be thin. Um, And so it was a desire, but it wasn't an honest desire. And the, um, the best description for me of what an honest desire is, is in page 58 where it says, if you have decided you want what we have, and are willing to go to any lengths to get, then you are ready to take certain steps. Because a honest desire means 
you know, not only I want what you have, but I am willing to do what you do because obviously that's what, how you got what you got. Um, you know, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I keep getting what I'm getting, you know, uh, which is, you know, uh, a big, fat, obese body, uh, misery, insanity, depression, fear, guilt, shame, remorse, you name it. Um, so if I, if I want something different, I got to do something different. If I want what you have, I got to do what you do. And so that qualification of honest desire for me has a world of meaning. And I am very grateful that after bumbling around inside the room for nine years, I finally found somebody who truly had what I wanted, not only, um, not only a, a normal size body, but you know, a, a, a beautiful personality, totally devoid of, of that edge that I always had, that chip on the shoulder, you know, and that awakened in me the honest desire to do what she did. And uh, I'm grateful because now I am that person or trying to be that person in a normal, in a normal size body and a sane, normal um, life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Kathy C., please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Kathy C., and I am from Montreal, Canada. Uh, very grateful to be here um, on the line. Um, I also, you know, think the um, the requirement, um, the, the, the uh, um, sorry, the word that stands out for me here this morning is the honest desire to, to stop drinking, you know, because... Um, the, um, the the step work the step work is is what will give us that you know recovery um, honestly looking at at what we are about to do what we really need you know um, I can't wish or think myself into you know wanting to be recovered you know I had to really really accept the program and be willing to work the steps to take the action you know. Um, as it says also in how it works, you know, um, at, the fir- at the very beginning, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. You know, we are men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. You know, our, our, our minds, um, you know, are unmanageable when it, when it comes to, um, you know, our, our, our food or other decisions, you know. So in order for us to be cleared of that, you know, we have to... Uh, admit step one we are powerless you know my life is unmanageable i'm obsessed with this with with this something else is going on you know i want to get to the root of my problem you know i want to get the relief i need i need to be recovered you know um and the step work the step work you know brought me there brought me there and the last sentence too in that paragraph we simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted um you know, well, being helpful is really the work, the step 12, you know, to carry the message and to, to, to offer the, uh, the um, other suffering, um, you know, members that there is a solution, you know. Um, we find our problem, we learn about the solution, and we, we practice. We practice the steps, and we will always have, you know, the recovery. We will always be recovered. You know, and but honest, honestly, honesty is is I think um, you know carries us through every every step. You know, this is um, what stands out to me this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy C. Lynn S. You're up. 
Followed Good morning, this is, Lynn. This is yep. Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada, a recovering compulsive overeater. And uh, I don't know if I have anything left to share because, again, that, that really stuck for me. The only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. And I know they changed that from the traditions just to a desire. Um, I don't know why, really, and I'm sure some of the folks on the line with the historical information can tell us why. But I'll tell you, that really, really strikes a difference for me, the honest desire. And I can remember sitting in a meeting once when I was in an eight-year period of relapse and hearing the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. And it just hit me and I thought, oh my God, I don't even belong in the rooms of OA because I can't wait to get out of this meeting and go binge. I do not have a desire to stop eating compulsively. So I remember that this tradition really held something for me, but this honest desire. And if you'd asked me many, many times, I would have told you, of course I have an honest desire. Of course that's what I want. Of course that's what I want. But I know in my particular case, it took me two years to become teachable again, to unlearn what I thought I knew about how to work it. And I really think I had the desire, but maybe I wasn't desperate enough. I don't know. But what I do know is we often struggle in in the rooms and saying, how do we help that person? And we don't want to turn anybody away. And it's not about turning anybody away, but maybe it's about working extra hard with people who don't really have the honest desire to recover. That's where we need to learn and, and do what it says in the book and let them go and let them hit their bottom. It really struck me, too, when we were reading A Vision for You, And they spoke about the doctor and it says every few days this doctor suggests our approach to one of our patients. Understanding our work, he can do this with an eye to selecting those who are willing and able to recover on a spiritual basis. So it's interesting, you know, the the doctor even vetted people before he sent them to to the first hundred to get help. So I, I don't think I have anything more to add about that except it's an honest desire. And that, you know, when we read how it works, that word honest and rigorous honest is is there all the time. And it's just striking me today, you know, I honestly am grateful that I am in recovery. I want to recover. That's why we do all these step tens and talk to each other about program and make sure that we're practicing the principles in all our affairs. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lynn S. Uh, Roseanne C., go ahead, please. Press star one to unmute, Rosanne. This good morning. This is Rosanne B in Detroit, and um, I'm grateful to be working this program with all of you. Uh, I was captivated by the earlier conversation this morning on anonymity. Um, I worked a form of this program earlier, in which we focused on anonymity a lot. And I had never heard about how, although I I experienced it, I had never heard a real discussion of how it might be preventing us from helping others um, or being available for others. And I didn't know the history of uh, why the anonymous part of this program emerged in the way that it did. What I want to say about anonymity, though, for me, is that um, I... In the in the process of practicing it, in the program, I also practiced it in my own life because I had a fellow sufferer who was such an inspiration to me. 
And what I found is that it was a great path to ego reduction. I realized that every time I wanted to talk about someone else and someone else's story, it was because it made me feel more important and it made me feel more valuable. If I had news to share with you about so-and-so, then maybe you would think I was in the know or I was in an inner circle. And what I really took the time to think about is there any real value to what I'm about to share? There was never a value beyond my own uh, self-aggrandizement. <laughs> I think that's a French word and I didn't use a proper accent. But um, breaking anonymity for me has always been about um, not being able to practice um, a discipline of... Um, restraint of pen and tongue. And I've actually found that not only has it helped me to be more humble, but it's also helped me to be um, in better relation, not only with my fellows in this program, but just anybody in my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rosanne B. and Eileen M., I believe. Please go ahead. If we keep our shares focused on that last paragraph that we read, that would be awesome. Is it me, Eileen M.? Is it my turn? I, yes, it is, Eileen. Oh, we great. Can't wait I can't to hear from you. I was unmuting, so I didn't hear you. All right. Um, so I'm Eileen M., uh, recovered compulsive overeater in New Hampshire. And um, there were two things I was thinking about that part we were talking about, Tradition 11. Um, I really, I was really struck by that because I, I used to have a sponsor that told me that, um, you know, nobody in program has, or everybody in program has feet of clay, because, and that was so helpful to me because I used to put people on pedestals, and I, I thought, well, you know, if only I were them, I could recover. If only I was that person, I could recover. And, you know, that just, I, I'm just, you know, convinced that isn't true. Um, you know that. I would have to be that person to recover. And I, I just really always appreciated hearing that. Um, you know, and I think someone earlier mentioned that, you know, we're all in the same playing field and that, that kind of keeps us humble. And I love that. And the other thing um, is I'm looking at, we are not allied with any particular faith, sect, or denomination. And I love that about this program because it gives me the freedom to define my higher power. You know, it's um, God as I understand God. And I think that if the, um, if OA had had a group opinion on religion, I don't think I could have recovered. Um, so I just, I just really appreciate that that we don't, we don't have a particular faith that you know everybody believes in the same thing, to, you know, in order to be included. So I'm really grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you, Eileen M. And then we have Carlissa C. Hopefully, I have that right. Good morning. This is Carlisa C. Thank you for your service. Let me hit my stopwatch here. Um, I I um, <laughs> am so privileged, as always, to be on this call to learn something new. Uh, I am trying to go and working very uh, diligently to go to a deeper level of honesty. And as the book suggests, we all must have a, a rigorous grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty, and it's delightful for me to read um, on, page, on the page we were just reading, which I'll go back to, 
Um, I was just quoting from page 58, I'm sure, as everybody on this call knows. And uh, look at the only, the only requirement, the only soul, the alone requirement is an honest desire to stop drinking, which uh, uh, I just want to join in. So honest that means means free of deceit and untruthfulness. And certainly when I was in my throes of my <clears throat> compulsive eating and, and compulsive lying and compulsive uh, binging on everything, I was not free of deceit or untruthfulness. The first person I would lie to, of course, would be myself. I was concealing the truth, another way to say lying. I was trying to pull the wool over my eyes and certainly over the eyes of my family, uh, I was into all types of chicanery and treachery and insincerity and lying. So what this, the only requirement is that I have to give up my deceitfulness. And uh, that is certainly, I think, the first, that is like the riser of the first step because that's the only thing that's going to make me admit that I am powerless. Honesty, honesty, I have to hit the bottom to first say that, look, you, you are in trouble, sister. And then that it's on that, that kind of foundation of honesty that I can be, begin to say, yeah, I have a problem. I'm like these people. And then I can go on to, to in other ways, um, admit complete defeat and powerlessness. And then I can go on in other ways and have my pride leveled. Because, because one component of my dishonesty is that I was awfully prideful. I didn't want people to know what was really going on with me, although they could see, certainly see it through my um, um, ballooning body and my ballooning um, uh, know-it-ism and bull-in-the-china shop attitudes. I think they knew something was wrong, but they didn't know what. And, and to be honest, I wasn't sure what, just like the book says. I did have a problem. Um, so anyway, I am happy to be on this call. I'm also happy to say here that the only thing that the, that anybody wants to do as they uh, uh, hand me this book is to be helpful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Carlissa. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Carlin G. Carlin. <clears throat> Hello, this is Webcam. Webcam. I'm sorry, could you say your name again, please? This is Raquel calling from Israel. Oh, Raquel, okay. I'm going to stick myself in there, Rivka. too. Rivka? Yes, Rivka A, thank you. Okay. Maybe one more person we might be able to fit in. Anybody else? Leah. And Leah. Okay, Harlan G, take it away. Okay, thank you, Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. We have to remember that they made Bill yank that word honesty out of the third tradition. And we also have to remember that the material that we're reading this morning in this preface was written in 37, excuse me, 35 and 36 and 37. I'm not thinking clearly this morning. 36 and 37. Uh, 37 and 38, now I've got it, now my brain's working, 37 and 38, published in April of 39. 
the traditions started filtering out in Grapevine magazine and didn't get codified and ratified until the St. Louis Convention, the 12 and 12 came out in 53. A long time had passed, and people started coming into AA for reasons other than wanting to stop drinking. They came in because their wives demanded it. They came in because the court mandated it. They came in because their boss gave them an ultimatum, et cetera, et cetera. But when you really think about it, how many of us in Overeaters Anonymous come in here with an honest desire to stop compulsively overeating? Many of us come in, like me, with a desire to look better. Many of us come in because we have a desire to free ourselves from the consequences of compulsive overeating and are looking in here to try to find the magic diet, the magic pill, or the magic something that will allow us to eat everything we want while we still continue to lose weight at a magnificent clip. In this program, it does state, and I'm a big believer, it's not a program for people who want it. It's not a program for people who need it. It's a program for people who do it. It's an action program. But willingness is highly overrated. An honest desire is highly overrated. I had to be dragged kicking and screaming into a recovery that I didn't really want. I wanted to die. I wanted to end the pain, and I thought that the only way to end it was to die, and people dragged me kicking and screaming. I was waiting to be willing so I would take the action. I found out that I had to start taking the action, and the willingness came. I had the cart before the horse. So when I was sitting there waiting to be struck by the willingness fairy, uh, 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 didn't happen that way. I took actions which I did not yet believe in, but saw them working in others, and the willingness came, and it was the other way around. And with that, I'll pass. Sorry about the mental, uh, the mental flagellation this morning on the dates. So I'm a little nuts. I'm a little famished this morning. <laughs> Great, Harlan. Thank you, Raquel. You are up. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Please yes. go ahead. Hello. Thank you so much for your kind service and for all my wonderful friends, family really there. It's almost like you're all here in the kitchen with me. I love you all and, and for the wonderful things that I get to hear and to process in my head also sometimes. Um, I want to, to speak about that sentence in the first paragraph because we are sure that our way of living has its advantage for all. This is so incredible, you know, uh, because when the relationships and the very being of, of a person, of myself a little bit already, starts to change, and you suddenly, the world becomes different. It's like you're looking through a different, different window at the world. And I want to go to the last word that says the same thing. You know, um, um, the Lester Award, in 1951, the Lester Award was given Alcoholics Anonymous. The citation reads in part as follows, and I read only the last sentence, which is pretty incredible, that says the same thing. Historians may one day recognize Alcoholics Anonymous to have been a great venture in social pioneering, which forged 
a new instrument for social, for social action, a new therapy based on the kinship of common suffering, one having a vast potential for the myriad other ills of mankind. Oh, you know, these are big potatoes here. For all mankind, it's like almost like this poem about, you know, we learned it all in kindergarten. If we all just take a nap in the afternoon and then have a snack and get up and be nice to each other and hold hands when we cross the street and, and, and put things back where we found them and say sorry. It all, the, the whole program is so good for, for everybody, for the whole world. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, with all humility, I'm proud to be part of this and happy that, that this helps me really change into what God meant for us to be. Otherwise, we'd still be monkeys with a high IQ. But the soul, there's so much soul here. Thank you all, my beloved friends. Have a wonderful, abstinent, and recovering day. Thank you for letting me share my care. Thank you, Raquel. So, Ripka and Leah, if you guys could just split the time, uh, that would be great. And so we're going to go ahead and we'll be able to fit both of you all in. So, Ripka, A, please go ahead. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for giving service. My name is Rivka A., and I am a recovering compulsive, covered, recovered. I have been through and worked through the steps with my sponsor and continue to do 10, 11, and 12. And I just wanted to look at um, we are not allied with any particular faith, sect, or denomination, nor do we oppose anyone. That is so very promising to any compulsive overeater who wants help, who doesn't want to be rejected or abandoned or disapproved of any of those negativities. We don't want to hear that. Um, if there were a sign, a neon sign over the door to coming into the rooms of compulsive overeaters, that was particular in any faith sector denomination, I wouldn't have walked in. And on top of that, even though I had gone into the room, I was still suspicious because what kind of big book are they talking about? As far as I heard, there was only one book, the book. And I thought that, you know, they're going to teach me something that I already know. Come on. I don't have time for book study, paper, pen. You know, been there, been to school. So, you know, what new thing could you do? There was my pride and ego, ego going wild, you know, because I only thought that what I knew was the right way to go. And yet I was suffering. I was tormented. I couldn't be honest. And getting back to the only requirement, and here it says the only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. You know, I had to come to grips with what does honesty mean for me? You know, how do, how, you know, I think I'm an honest person. I'm not a bad person. But, you know, I had to come into the room, sit down, shut up, learn to listen, and listen to learn. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. And um, I'm glad that I'm a part of this real special program of action. This is Rivka A. Thank you again. I okay. 
Thank you, Ripka. Leah, I've got about a minute if you want to wrap us up. Thank you so much. Actually, we're we're out of oh, time, but I I just saw that. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, just as I read this last paragraph, obviously this was penned in 1939. The uh, AA 12 and 12 didn't come about until 1953. These are a little bit of what we're, we know today is the traditions, and the traditions aren't hindering technicalities. They're proven guides to our chief objective of all groups, and that is to carry the message. You know, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, and that's our objective and that's our goal, to let people know that they no longer need to suffer in the grips of compulsive overeating. As a result of these 12 steps, we can be transformed. We can have a spiritual awakening as a result of the program of recovery and have a personality change which overcomes compulsive overeating. That recovery is our goal and our objective and... um, you know, it is our it is our responsibility, obligation, and our greatest pleasure to know to let people know there is a way out. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leah. Okay, so we're going to wrap everything up. Thanks to everyone who shared. We will now have a closing with the reading of the Big Book on page one sixty four, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Sarah W., if you would go ahead. Thank you, Amy, for your service. Um, Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.